guys, it's Victoria here and welcome to the Motorsport Stories podcast. This is episode 10, Jochen Rind. We're coming up to the 50th anniversary of the death of the only driver to win the Formula One World Championship posthumously, Jochen Rind. So get yourself ready for a truly remarkable life story of one of the sport's biggest legends. Rind's early life was hit by tragedy as he became an orphan when he was only a baby. Though Rind raised with an Austrian license, he was born in Germany in 1942 by a German father and an Austrian mother as the heir of a spice importing business. However, when he was only 15 months old, his parents were killed in an Allied bombing in Hamburg, Germany, and so he was sent to his grandparents in Graz, Austria. What did Rind's life look like before he started racing in Formula 1? Actually, after he had finished school, he did enter the family spice importing business, but in 1962, his interest in motorsport led him to start racing saloon cars, which his family fortune allowed him to do. Prior to this, his adolescence had also been influenced by competition and speed as he was racing mopeds with his friends in Graz, Austria. And in addition to this, he would excel at all sports that he partook in. It was also around this time he would meet one of his best friends, Helmut Marko, who would also go on to race in Formula 1. And is today, of course, well known for being the head of the Red Bull Drivers Development Program. On the other hand, he would also continuously get into trouble while speeding on his moped and collecting a number of speeding tickets. When the rebellious Rind was 15, he was sent to England, not only to learn English, but also to learn discipline. Instead, he started going to motor races, which cultivated his love for the sport. After racing in saloon cars, Rind bought himself a single-seater racer when he was 21. Things started really taking off from there as he would find himself in Formula 1 only two years later. In 1964, Ford Austria began to see the potential and started to back him, so that he could buy a brand new Cosworth SCA-powered Brabham BT-10 for this season. And this, of course, would also mark the beginning of his professional racing career. 1964 would also be the year that he would enter his first Formula 1 race in his home Grand Prix in Austria. His first full season wouldn't come until 1965, though he would also race in other racing series after this time, which was normal for many racing drivers in this era. In this regard, his performances in Formula 2, the racing series under Formula 1, would actually gain him the reputation of being the uncrowned king of this series. Fun fact, in the years after his death, the Formula 2 race at Braxton in the UK would be named the Jochen Rind Memorial Trophy. In 1965, Rind would also have one of the biggest moments in his racing career outside of Formula 1 when he won the 1965 Le Mans. What made this victory so special is not only that it would be Ferrari's last ever victory in the race, but him and fellow driver, the American Mastin Gregory, saw a serious car failure that meant that the car would have to be repaired in the pits for a long duration of time. Rind and Gregory had both packed up and were ready to leave the track to go elsewhere for a proper night's sleep when they were finally able to race again. And so they drove the car as hard as they could and ended up winning the race. On another note, during this time period, Rind also met his future wife, Nina, a model from Finland who was the daughter of a fellow racing driver, Kurt Lincoln. Initially, Nina and Rind had actually broken off the engagement but when Rind sent the ring back to her, saying she could keep it until she changed her mind, Nina decided to get back with Rind since, as she would later say, she likes men to know what they want. Later on, the pair would also have a daughter named Natasha. Time to jump to the beginning of Rind's career in Formula 1, where the first few years would actually be plagued by a lot of difficulties. 
Here, he started off his career with the Cooper team with his first field season in 1965. Though these cars were known to be very dependable, they were also very heavy, which of course meant that they were not super fast. And so he was not able to score any really mentionable results with them. In 1969, Rin then switched to the Brabham team. However, their car was also not particularly competitive and would also not bring him any victories. Which meant he had now been in Formula 1 since 1965 without ever winning a Grand Prix. So people were starting to question if he would actually ever win a race. So what finally changed? Despite being continuously stuck in slow cars, it was still obvious to see that Rind was a very talented guy. And in 1969, he signed with the Lotus team, where he was joint number one in their team together with their other driver, Graham Hill. As opposed to the previous teams that he had been racing for, Lotus was a team known to have some very quick cars. But in turn, these cars were also very dangerous to drive. In this first season with Lotus, Rin was also able to finally score his first Grand Prix victory in the race on Watkins Glen in the USA. Luckily enough for Rind, this race also came with one of the biggest amounts of prize money, half a million US dollars to be exact. In this race, unfortunately, his teammate Hill had a massive accident where he broke his legs and he was ruled out for much of the season. So the following season in 1970, Jochen Rind was the number one driver for the Lotus team. The breakthrough race that would show the world what Rind was really made of came in Monaco Grand Prix in 1970. Here on this circuit that's well known for being hard to make any overtakes on, Rind started the race way down in 8th position. Both true overtaking and some people in front of him retiring for the race, Rind found himself in 2nd place 15 seconds off the race leader, Jack Brabham. And so the hunt commenced, and after setting one fastest lap after the other, Rind actually managed to catch up with Brabham. On the final lap, Rind was then in the position to take on the race leader. The amount of pressure Rind was able to put on Brabham eventually led him to make an error, crash his car in the very last corner of the race, and so Rind was able to cruise the last few meters to race victory on the legendary Monaco street circuit. This race would prove to be the turning point for Rind in the season that would both be the one where he would become world champion by the end of it, but also be the season where he was ultimately killed. After the legendary drive in the streets of Monaco, the following race at Spa in Belgium came with a side of engine failure. But after this race, the victories just came one after the other, four to be exact. He would actually have been able to win the championship already in his home race in Austria, but again, he had an engine failure. Still, his lead in the championship was rather comfortable at this point of the season. Rind also was an excellent businessman who had many ongoing ventures beside racing. One of his closest friends and advisors was none other than Bernie Ecclestone, later chief executive of the Formula One group. During this time, Rind was running the Jochen Rind show, a car show that is today still running as the Essen Motor Show in Germany. From the very beginning of Rind's career at Lotus, he had a strained relationship with team boss Colin Chapman. As previously mentioned, the team's cars had a reputation for not only being quick, but also dangerous. And Rind reportedly said that those were the cars you would either become world champion in or die in. And Rind would often publicly criticize the dangerous cars of his team. Seemingly, the relationship between the two was so bad that they were not even able to speak face to face. Coming into the 1970 Italian Grand Prix at Monza, 
Rin was leading the championship by a large margin and could easily just accrue to winning the championship by the end of the season. During the practice session ahead of the Grand Prix at Monza, around half an hour into the Saturday session, Rin overtook Danny Hulme and was breaking to steer into the parabolica corner when his car swerved left, dived in under a crash barrier and swerved back onto the track. Rin's wife, Nina, would normally be located in the pits taking Rin's lap times on a stopwatch. There have been recordings where you can see that she gets increasingly nervous when Rin isn't back at the start-finish line within the expected time frame, and rumors quickly started spreading in the pit lane that an accident had occurred. Rin was retrieved from the car, but his chest injuries were too severe, and he was pronounced dead in the ambulance on the way to the hospital on September 5, 1970. Different theories have been made as to why Rin's car crashed in the parabolica corner at the Monza circuit. Some say it was due to the rear wing having been removed for the high speed circuit in order to reach higher speeds. Others say it was due to a brake shaft that broke and made him lose control of the car in the braking zone of the corner. Another point regarding the course of his death was the poor state of the crash barrier he hit with his car. What is certain is that what killed Rind was that his seatbelt slid into his throat. As usual, Rind only used four points of his five-point seatbelt, thereby not closing the part of the seatbelt located around the crotch. The reason for doing this was the fear of not being able to get out of the car quick enough in case of fire, as this was the number one killer in racing at the time. After the race at Monza, there were only three races left before the end of the season. At this point, only Jackie X had a small mathematical chance of still catching up with Rind. However, he wasn't able to, and he also didn't want to, as he did not find it fair to race a guy that could no longer defend himself. Also, after the race at Monza, Lotus team boss Colin Chapman was blamed for causing the accident due to the team's cars being a liability to drive. But six years after the deadly accident, Chapman was acquitted of being responsible for the crash. Regarding the car that Rin crashed in, it was believed to have been scrapped for many years, but in 1985 it was found by a real estate agent who traded the car in for a Lola racer with another car collector who happened to be a big Rin fan. During Rin's Formula 1 career, he and fellow driver and four-time world champion Jackie Stewart fought for more safety in the sport. It would also be Stewart who would hand the championship trophy to Rin's widow, Nina, after the 1970 season. Rind was a very charismatic guy and extremely popular in his home country of Austria, where he not only helped hosting the racing TV show Motorama, but also helped ignite a passion for motorsport in the Alpine country and many other later motorsport icons from the country like current Formula 1 team bosses Toto Wolff and Franz Tost would name him as one of their idols. Not only that, Rind is today still known as one of the biggest natural talents the sport has ever seen. With the 50th anniversary of Rind's death approaching this year, his hometown of Graz in Austria planned a number of events to commemorate Rind, like opening an exhibition in his honor at the local museum, name a tram line after him and name a square in the city after him. Though the Covid situation has put many of these happenings to a halt, the town will still be getting its Jochen Rindplatz. To this day, Rind is still the only driver to have won the Formula 1 World Championship after his death. The Motorsport Stories podcast will be taking a long summer break before being back again in October.
If you ever have any questions, some feedback, or would like to suggest a topic for the show, please feel free to leave a comment on the Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook page, or send me an email. Contact information can be found in the show notes alongside any sources that might have been used for this episode. And please remember, if you like what you heard, please subscribe to the show and leave us a review on your favorite podcast app. And of course, spread the word. Tell your friends about the show. Until next time, have a speedy day.